you know me, I don't like to get technologically complicated. <laughs> I like one browser window open. <laughs> one tab, one browser window. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're sharing our August Books on the Radar. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm good. Trying to stay cool. There's yeah, a it's a hot one. Going on. Uh-huh. I mean, We've got this heat wave. Have you seen the like heat wave in Europe these days? Yes, I, I yeah. did see that the other day. The 90s in hundreds Paris, I think. in Italy. And the difference is areas like that do not have air conditioning everywhere. Like it's not a common thing. So oh. imagine being in the 100 degree heat with no AC. I'm thinking like their artwork and their, you know, all their stuff's going to melt. <laughs> like if they don't have like. Cr- I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been seeing folks on Instagram or wherever talking about like, yeah, you know, it's one thing to have 100 degrees in Texas where everything's AC or even Illinois or Ohio, but like Europe doesn't have that type of infrastructure. So I'm like, Ew. wow. So shout out to our European listeners. Hopefully you guys are finding ways to finding stay cool. Finding ways to stay cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all that's, I mean, just trying to juggle, you know, getting out and about earlier, get, getting Vinny. When you have, I have a big dog. Vinny is kind of um, heading towards his lazy. As he gets older, he's getting a little lazy. He does not like the heat. So mm-hmm. I have to get him out earlier. You're going to you're going to be surprised when I say this because all we do to all winter is talk about how we want warmer weather. <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, it's too hot. Mm-hmm. So we're very I mean, temperate we can, creatures. We're, we we I know, it's very hard to please us as Midwest mm-hmm. weather people. <laughs> Temperamental creatures, yes. Temperamental creatures who prefer a temperate climate is what we need. Yes. But yes, Vinny's yes. huge and he's black and he's got a lot of fur mm-hmm. and he's like as big mm-hmm. as you are, truly. Like I don't he's know how a- you walk him. <laughs> Sometimes not easily if yeah. he wants to visit with every other dog that he sees. Mm-hmm. And that's not what that we're there for. No, we're there for to get some cardio in and to listen to an audio book. Oh, Come yeah. On. I cannot get cardio in with him. He He's a he's a sniffer of all things. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, really my walk with him is is audio book time and yeah. listen, you know, listen to birds every now and then. I know you don't like birds, but I do like birds. <laughs> I don't mind them from afar. I could li- I like the sound of birds. I like them from far away. I don't want them flapping near me though. I don't want I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like city birds. Like I don't like those pigeons that'll be if you're walking in downtown Chicago, there's these huge pigeons that don't move. Like they're just like, "No, you move around me." I'm like, "Oh my god, they're garbage pigeons." Like literally they eat <laughs> trash oh, on the that's street. Funny. Yeah, those freak me out. Well, let me tell you what I've been loving lately and you're going to be surprised. Ooh, what I think. is it? Because you know I don't watch a lot of TV outside of right now with The Bachelorette just started yeah. and we both watch that and we uh, I don't watch a lot of TV I just I usually tend to read at night but I started watching Loot on Apple TV Plus Have you heard of this show the Loot? series L O O T L O O T No Oh it's okay good This is a a comedy series starring Maya Rudolph. As and she plays Molly. Can I tell you how brilliant she is and how funny and witty? I mean, you know who she is, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I know who she is. Yeah, yeah she's great. She's um, in Bridesmaids. That's how I know. Yes, her. Bridesmaids. Yes. And um, okay, so in this series, Molly is a billionaire divorcee who received $87 billion in her divorce settlement from her tech husband. Billion with a B? Billion with a B. Oh, my God. She's ready to give back to the world and change her fortune. Now, it's very funny because not a lot happens. This is the story of Molly, but the way Maya Rudolph plays her, she is so funny. 
This show is filled with eye candy. There's luxury travel. There's luxury houses with some of the most high-tech, fanciest, just everything I've ever seen. She has her own canned, like custom candy closet. I mean, it's insane. It, it It's very fun to watch the cars, the fashion, the celeb appearances. But Molly decides to make an appearance at her foundation, charitable foundation, which she didn't know she had. <laughs> and <laughs> And kind of from there, the story takes off because that's where also the supporting cast comes yeah. in are the people that work at the foundation and they are hysterical. The whole thing is pure entertainment and enjoyment and it made me smile. I watched three episodes back to back last night. They're short. They're 30 minutes each. So very bingeable. And guess who I got this wreck from? I don't know. My husband. He's really? already binged the entire series. He found it and- he was watching it and he tried to get me to watch it. And I was like, I don't have time to watch television that I need to read. And then, (laughs) and then I was very intrigued. So I started it by myself last night and I love it. It's loot on Apple TV plus. Oh my gosh. That's exciting. I have to see if I have Apple TV. It's one of those channels that I think I have. I also don't know if I'm paying for it. I don't know how to access it. You know what? (laughs) I was thinking, I don't know if there's something out there and that's a Google, that's something I intend to Google to keep track of all of our streaming things or that things that like, if you come across a show that you want to watch or a movie, there's so many different platforms mm-hmm. where like, to which find one is it. it? Like, we, where what are we do going? we have? Mm-hmm. Where, right. Right. And Apple TV is $4.99. So it's not super expensive, but you do tend to, you can forget where everything is and what you're paying for. And I know. Cause I'm, I'm like, I think I have that. And I'm like, no, that's HBO. Do I have HBO? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'll look into it, but that's a good rack. Thanks for bringing that. I think my loving lately would tie nicely into, you know, settling in and watching a good program. This one I did share on Instagram previously, but it is my rechargeable wine aerator. So it's the Winarina electric wine aerator. And basically it's an automatic wine aerator. What you do now, or what you do, you basically open a bottle of wine, and there's a long tube that you stick into the bottle of wine, and then there's a button that you press, and it just, boop, pours the wine out. And what I like about this is using an aerator increases the oxidation of the tannins in red wine, and it basically just makes it taste better. It draws out some of the flavors and lets the wine breathe. Now, I'm drinking like $3 Chuck from Trader Joe's, (laughs) three-buck Chuck. So it's not like I have a fancy bottle, but I swear to you, it does make it taste better. My husband poured me a glass the other day and I was like, oh, I was like, is this one of our nice wines? He's like, no, it's Trader Joe's. I was like, but you use the aerator, right? And he did. Oh, okay. So I really like this. It is really fast too. It's it, it kind of, it's almost, it's fun. It makes me feel like a real fancy lady. Also that it's rechargeable. So it's not battery or anything. It just uses a, a USB cord and the charge lasts forever. I've only charged it once. And it claims to fully aerate about 35 bottles of wine with a single charge. So, I mean, you're set to go for a while (laughs) on one charge. I think it's easy to clean and, you know, makes the wine taste better. It's pretty inexpensive, too. Right now, there's an $8 coupon. It's on Amazon. So, it's about $29. So, I highly recommend this. Of course, we will list it. Also, we have a new Amazon storefront that we finally put together. It includes some of our... um, Double Love books, some of our beauty recommendations are are loving lately. So we will definitely link that in our show notes and on our website. But this is the Winarina Electric Wine Aerator. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, we do have a lot of our products. Um, I, not I just realized skincare, we had a, but, mm-hmm. but other things in our store now. Yep. And we have book lists. So yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's a good place for like, what were they talking about? I know they were talking about this thing you use to clean off your couch. Like, boom, you can go. It's mm-hmm. the What's that? Air, what's chom the, Chom. The Chom the Chom, chom, chom pet, pet Roller. roller. That is still my yeah. greatest find ever. <laughs> I use it every day, I swear. Okay, great. I like that. I actually should get that for Darren because he likes red wine and I don't think oh. he has one. Oh, it's, it's great. It's nice. And it makes me feel very fancy. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, moving into latest reads, I did give you a heads up that I'm breaking the rules today with, and I'm bringing a dual latest read. 
because one of mine does not come out until later in the summer. So, and these books go so perfectly together. And they gave me one of my very best reading listening experiences so far this year, at least for sure. I want to share with you first. Well, I'll tell you what they both are. Open by Andre Agassi Mm. and Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Oh my goodness. Carrie Soto comes out August 30th. So I know that's a, a little bit, just a few weeks away. And I so I wanted to bring you Open as well, because first I read Open, listened to it, and then I read Carrie Soto back to back. It's a, it, amazing. Open is an autobiography by Andre Agassi. It is about his life. Well, really, his entire life was tennis, has been tennis. So like his life from childhood up through his retirement. So the book was published in 2009, and it came on my radar, came back on my radar, I should say, at our Mood Reader Happy Hour when Ashley Bailey at Bailey's Bookshelves on Instagram brought this as her latest read, and she sold it. And she put it back in my mind because I used to own this book when it came out. I bought it and never read it because I loved Andre Agassi. I watched anything any match he was in, I tried to watch it. And my most memorable watching experiences were his big matches in the fall, like the US Open in the fall of 1994. I remember watching that. I remember watching all of it. He was the bad boy of tennis. And I actually, I did love tennis. I do like to watch tennis. I played tennis. You do not have to love tennis in order to enjoy this book either of these books. It it will enhance the experience, but you don't have to have loved it. This book, this is his story of growing up. And really, he is one of the greatest tennis players of all time. But the interesting thing is, and he will say it, and it's on the jacket cover. It's not, this is not a spoiler. He despised tennis. He hated every second. So I was very fascinated. I didn't know that about him while he, no one knew that while he was playing. This has come out well later in his in his book, but in his interviews. Um, but I'm very. I was so curious as to how someone could become so great at something they hated. And he really tells his story in a fascinating way. starts starts it off with a a very riveting opening scene, which is the U.S. Open match, his last match when he retired, and. It was riveting. And then he he goes back to his childhood. Now, I typically can get bored in childhood type of memoir stories. <laughs> I was not I, I was not bored with this book. It's in at my listening speed was 15 and a half hours on audio. I was in it start to finish. I was especially fascinated in his childhood by hearing how in, tennis was introduced to him, which it was not a choice. It was a, you will do this by his father. So if you can imagine a toddler being in their high chair and being given a tennis racket, all and that's what they did. And at age seven, just to give you one of his examples, at age seven, he was being forced to hit tennis balls 10 hours a day. No wonder he hated it. On a young body, it it was really a fascinating story, but a very sad, very sad in parts. Um, his dad was uh, verbally abusive and with him as well as his siblings, but he was the chosen one for tennis and there was no way getting around it. He wasn't allowed to play any other sports. School was not encouraged. It was tennis. So I do. it's almost such a hard book to describe because it's so tennis focused, but it's also about the psychology of an athlete and what happens to the psyche when something like this is is every, everything about him was shaped by being the best tennis player in the world. And he was told you will be the best tennis player in the world from the time he, you know, was a young child like that. That was, he had no choice. That was what he had to do. And he took that on. Now, Throughout the story, there are, if, there are also plenty of 
juicy tidbits. I don't he I don't know if you remember or if you followed him him ever his story at all. He was married to Brooke Shields for a little while. So I did a lot of Googling with that. He had a close friendship with Barbara Streisand. So he ended up becoming such a celebrity with his sport that there's a, there's a lot of that. A lot of Googling can happen. Um, and then he ended up marrying Steffi Graf. And so their marriage is in there a little bit. From start to finish, I just, it, it was fascinating. I cannot recommend this book more especially if you are in the mood for something different and you like autobiographies or memoirs. Now, on to book two. I am not going to tell you that much at all about Carrie Soto is back. Don't worry. I'm not going to spoil anything. This is the perfect book to read. You have time to read open, and then you could follow it up with Carrie Soto is back. This is so Carrie Soto in the opening scene, and this is this is what the story is about. She's 37 years old. She holds the record for the most Grand Slam titles of any female tennis player in the world. In the opening scene, she's watching someone, she's watching another player with her, and Carrie is with her dad, and her dad had been her coach. And she realizes that this te- particular tennis player is on track to beat Carrie's records. And she has no intention of letting that happen. So she comes out of retirement. That is what the story is about, but so much more. Because if, you, if you've read Taylor Jenkins' read, you know you're going to get unpredictability in the storyline. You're going to get characters that you literally cannot stop thinking about. And you are going to get a good story. And that is exactly what she delivered in this book. I could not stop reading it. Carrie Soto is on par with so many of, I don't know, maybe the most, one of the most memorable characters I've ever read. I, I won't forget her. She is authentic. She is strong. She's determined. And she becomes known in the, in the tennis world and as a, a celebrity in her own right, but also they call her the battle axe. Like she just does not take crap from anyone. And you have to read to find out, you know, how's that going to work out for her? Is she going to hold her record? But also what is going to happen to her in the process of trying to come back? There's a little bit of romance. There's a lot of drama. There is a, a lot of action and there's some suspense. I highly, highly recommend it. Pre-order it. I've pre-ordered the print copy. And also, I'm going to listen to the audio when it comes out. I read this this copy on my Kindle. I want print copy of Carrie Soto on my five-star bookshelf. I want to see it. And I want to remember what this book, the themes in this book taught me. Every time I, I walk into my family room, I and I want to listen to the audio because I, it's a full cast narration and two of the narrators are tennis play- former tennis players. Oh, that's smart. All right. Sorry I'm taking up so much time, but those are my two latest reads. Open by Andre Agassi and Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid. They both sound very good, despite my not being interested in tennis at all. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you brought Carrie Soto to the podcast because now I can read it. Because I knew you were going to, and I was like, I don't want to scoop you and read it first and then want to talk about it. So I'm like, good. <laughs> You've talked about it. Now I can pick it up and try it. Um, but like you said, I feel like the audio for that's going to be, it sounds like it'll be really good. Oh, I bet it's going to be incredible. My latest read actually ties in kind of nicely to what you brought, sort of in a way. So my latest read is Miss Me With That by Rachel Lindsay. And if you're familiar with her, she is the Bachelor's first Black Bachelorette. And this is her book of essays. And she explores everything from relationships to love to politics to race. And the reason that I think it ties in is because she is a lawyer, but actually what she really wanted to do was to be a sports agent. So she's super into sports. She dated a ton of athletes, talks about her relationship to the sports world, had, you know, a little bit of um, time after the show being correspondent for ESPN and things like that. So I think it actually works pretty well. I really loved this book. Um, She talks a lot about, so it's essays. It's not necessarily, we don't stay in her childhood too long, although she does Mm -hmm. give us some context because 
If you watched her season, you remember her family. Her dad is this federal judge. He would not appear on the show. And from the very beginning, mm -hmm, she was the one that was going to follow in his footsteps. And so she talks about that. But she does also dish a little bit about The Bachelor behind the scenes, too, which, of course, I really enjoyed. But I will say, this book does not stay there too long. So if you want to really get all the dirt and all the gossip, I don't think this is going to fill your need. What I really liked about it, it's just this woman telling her story. She became this very public figure because she ended up choosing now her husband, this man named Brian. Everybody in the world wanted her to pick this man named Peter. And so she basically Mm -hmm. goes very much into depth about why Peter didn't work and why Brian was the one. But before you even get to the show, she is giving amazing relationship advice. Like, to the point where I took pictures of this book, underlined it, and sent it to my girlfriend. I'm like, you need to read this. Like, read what this says. She wasn't always the object of people's attention. She wasn't always the one that people wanted. So she really struggled and had to learn a lot about herself before she became the bachelorette. I thought she was vulnerable, but also very informative. She talks about her relationship with therapy. Oh, gosh. And she talks to, she does it's not shade. It's honesty about, as you know, if you watch the show, it does not do a very good job in supporting its cast members of color. And she talks about how when she first was getting cast, the producer literally said to her that they can't find quality people of color. That's why they don't have a lot of people of color on the show. And she like basically skewers that. So I feel like there was enough Bachelorette talk. So I feel like I'm filled in, but definitely wasn't overkill. She's not dogging the show or anything like that. It's just, she gave us a very critical take on the show and racism and what it was like to be in the public eye. The woman literally got death threats from people when she didn't pick Peter. Like it was insane. She shares the extreme backlash she has faced despite, hi, she has this happy ending. She married Brian. He's a Latinx man. It's an interracial couple. Like, by all intents and purposes, if this show is meant Mm -hmm. to be, to find love, she is a success story. And I I believe she no longer um, aligns herself with the show. I really enjoyed it. She basically is super honest, although I will say One of the big dramas is that she's no longer friends with this other castmate named Raven, and she doesn't disclose why they had a falling out because she promised Raven that she wouldn't. She's like, I promised her. I said I would never disclose what it is, and I'm not going to for your entertainment. And I thought, I so respect you for that because she could have easily, I'm sure, sold a ton more books and gotten a lot more press Mm -hmm. if that's what she was about. But she made a commitment to this woman who she's no longer friends with to say, hey, that's our personal business. I'm not going to air it out. I thought it was transparent. I thought it was (laughs) funny and layered. But also she had so many wonderful points about race and racism and just understanding what it's like to be a Black woman in this world. I really enjoyed it. Um, I listened to this on the audio I do recommend that format because she uh, she reads it herself. And I always love when a person is mm-hmm. reading their own story. This was Miss Me With That by Rachel Lindsay. Yeah, that's a great pick. I'm going to add that to my audio TBR. Mm-hmm. And oh, one. I should note that Andre Agassi does not narrate his mm-hmm. autobiography. So I'm glad you brought that up too, because usually they do. Usually it is the author, but yeah. that was not for his case. If you are if you don't want to, if you're not good at it and you're not going to enjoy it, mm-hmm. then it could definitely be stilted. Like I'd rather a good performance right. than the, the author narrating. Oh, for sure. And it was a good narrator, just not him. Okay. So before we go into book talk, we are going to share our listener latest read for this week. And this week, we're sharing a rec from Melanie, who is from Batty for Books on Instagram. And she brought us Horse by Geraldine Brooks. And the story follows the journey of a 19th century enslaved groomer as he tenderly cares for a Kentucky racehorse. She said it's told in several timelines, so readers who prefer one linear timeline may not like it as much, but Melanie found it fascinating. She would classify it as literary fiction and thought it was meticulously researched, and she learned a lot. I have seen this title around, and Mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm glad that she brought that to our attention. So that was Horse by Geraldine Brooks. 
Yeah, and if you want a chance to be featured on our podcast to share a listener latest read, be sure to get those over to us. We plan on sharing at least one per episode. So you can send us an email at booktalketc at gmail.com or find us on Instagram, send us a DM. And what we're looking for is the title of the book, the author, and why you would recommend it to our listeners. Yes. And if you don't want to take the time to type us out a couple sentences, then send us a voice memo via email. That would be fast and easy to do, too. I taught right. Renee how to do voice memos sometime yes, last year, so she's a big my, fan now. <laughs> I am such a fan. It has changed my reviewing life. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I review for my, I, I can just re- read and then speak my review, and it's done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would love, I love to it. see what the raw, unedited <laughs> version oh, looks like. It's, <laughs> Well, it's just like when you try to tell Siri to send a text and then Oh right. It's like half read, garbled, you like, go wait, back what? and read it. And it's mm-hmm. like, wait, that's not what I said. So for book talk today, we thought we would do a little bit of a mid-year reading update. I calculated my reading. I took us at the beginning of July. So I had the first six months of the year. And I wanted to do a state of the union. I kind of look at my reading at the end of the month and break down some statistics, but I had been slacking a little bit. So I took a look at my reading year. I wanted to see what I was doing and if there was anything that I intended to change. So at the end of June, I had finished 72 books. Of those, 59 were written by female author, two gender nonconforming, and 11 male. And this is the statistic that made me really glad that I did this, and I feel very vulnerable sharing it because I'm not proud of it. Only 13 of those were BIPOC authors. And I have a note to myself, check this. <laughs> and I never, I, I didn't. But I, I think that's correct, which is not good. And I'll share later how I've aimed to change that. Five were written by Black women and seven were LGBTQ. Okay. I wish I had those specific statistics. So I may, I'm, I'm going to put that together because I went off of my, the story graph mm-hmm. keeps stats. However, it doesn't. It is not broken down by diversity, which I would like to know, and gender, which I would also like to know. I'm sure that I'm pretty high on f- women writers, but I want to know more. So I, mm-hmm. I'll report back. I'm going to get those statistics for myself. The way that the story graph pie chart, if you will, breaks things down. There's mood, pace genre. So I want to give you some of those. So for Mm -hmm. me, I have read 75 books as of this recording, which I can't, that's insane. So many. Um, (laughs) That's so many. Well, I think I'm, I've bumped it. I've been able to bump it up because we had a little bit of, um, I've been ahead in our topic Mm -hmm. reading. And I think that's why I've been able to keep on going. Okay. The not surprisingly, 33 of my books fall under the mysterious (laughs) mood category followed by emotional. And I am at only 11% nonfiction. I'd like to bump that up. As far as my genres, the majority, let's see, a little over 30 books, probably the 33 are in the thriller category, followed by mystery and contemporary fiction. So I would like to I to bump up, like I said, the nonfiction and possibly throw in a little bit of maybe uh, I'm thinking sci-fi. I'm actually feeling sci-fi more than historical fiction, mm-hmm. but we'll see how that goes. Um, I've been actually feeling historical fiction a little bit. I'll, and we'll share this at the very end. We're doing our current reads, what we're reading mm-hmm. right now, and mine is historical. Okay. Well... Okay, as far as format, and this is actually probably um, lower because some of the books did not allow me to choose the audio format, but I'm sitting right now at 72% of of my reads are on audio, Mm -hmm. which is high. It's probably a little higher than that. (laughs) (laughs) That would be followed by digital, and I probably could have only read a handful in actual print, even though I keep buying print books. Which is, I don't know, it's kind of fun, but I need to read them. Uh, Okay, my average star rating for all five books, or all 75 books is 4.08. Oh, that's pretty good. So that's pretty good. I I was happy with that. Yeah. And I I do have the story graph. I'm not as good with keeping the format up to date because it's tedious to me. And I just, I want the data, but I don't want to do the work for it. (laughs) (laughs) So the way that I keep track is I just have my digital reading journal. 
so far this year, I've read 77, and my most of those 77, 42, I rated as emotional, which does not surprise me at all because I love a good emotional book. And 32 of those were mysterious. So I think that totally makes sense for me. Nonfiction's good. I'm at 17%. So I'm really not mad about that. I usually Mm -hmm. like to do, you know, 80, 20, fiction, nonfiction. And then my average rating is 4.32. I had a lot of five star books. I've had that a lot tracks. of five star books. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that tracks? Because you have said you are a, a generous. I'm a generous. Giver. You're a generous mm-hmm. star giver. Like I said, I'm a I'm a five star feeler. So I really go off my feelings. Pardon it is me. Not a five star. <laughs> if I was riveted by a book, if I like I said, if I finish it and I want to hug it, it it's irrelevant to me how good the writing was. I will give it five stars. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I go off of feeling, and so I have I have a lot of five stars. I didn't count them, but I do have a lot. I can't believe I have five. Now I'm like looking back, and and I do this sometimes. I'm like, was this really a five star read? But I'm looking. They are. There's some solid books in here. I think I've gotten as we've done this podcast. I've gotten better and better at picking books that I know that I'm going mm-hmm. to like or being Me surprised too. and, you know, kind of finessing my reading taste. My goals for the rest of the year, I would like to finish the year at about 125 books. I'm definitely on track for that. I'm sure I will exceed that. I want to get up to 50 BIPOC books. That's in, that's unacceptable that I've only read 13. I'd like to get up to 15 written by Black women and 25 LGBTQ So for the month of July so far, that's all I've been reading is books either LGBTQ or written by authors of color or both. And I'm happy about that. I'm like, it makes me feel good that I Mm -hmm. took the time to actually take a look because otherwise it gets so easy to just be like, oh, I don't know. What's next? What's next? What's coming through? And I got to count it again because I feel like 13 can't be right. But at any rate, I've done a good job for the month of July so far with making sure to pay attention to that. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go back and and check. I do think I can definitely increase my diverse authors, but I do but I have quite a few. I just don't have any idea how many. Yeah. And, you <laughs> and know, that's okay. I just You can bring it at I, a later date. I kind of surprised I will bring you. That. Mm-hmm. I know. I will bring that, but I can always increase that and mm-hmm. and should. So, I think that's just it. I think I'm just going to I'm going to try to dip my toe into something that makes me feel like, I don't think I'm going to like that. Like I automatically think that about science fiction and yeah. fantasy. So I've been saying to myself, well, then that's what you should probably try to read a little bit more of yeah. and, and get outside of my typical comfort zone. And because really, truly thrillers have been lackluster yeah, for the summer. It's been a tough one. The, the thrillers I've loved this year have been backlist primarily. Yeah, like I they've not a, been a lot of mine have typically. been. Yep. Mm -hmm. A lot of mine have been backlist. So, I mean, that's my plan. Increase the nonfiction, make sure I'm getting in diverse reads. Mm -hmm. And because I really do, I want to go to different countries. I want, I want all that variety. Yep. We encourage you to take a look at your reading too. do a Mm mid-year state of the union and just make sure that your numbers are where you'd like them to be. I mean, it's not all about the numbers, of course, but I also think if you want to be a cognizant reader, if you want to be somebody that's thoughtful about these things, like take a look and and make sure you're on track for what you want to do. And I love having these mini goals that are baked within just that number. Well, yeah. And it really does enhance the reading, like my reading life. And I think most people's reading life can be enhanced by reading books by authors that are not like you and from countries outside of the United States. There's so much, you know, we can, we can be learning and and be entertained by that are outside of the U S and I don't really, I'm going to pass my reading goal. I didn't say anything about my number. My Goodreads challenge goal was a hundred books. So I'm going to pass that. And I don't, anything over that to me is, is gravy. A wow. It's like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be be happy. I would love to hear from listeners if what are your goals? How are you looking at your reading life? And always, always some group like favorite diverse authors. I would love to hear about those. So always shoot us an email or send us a message. Absolutely. 
right. Well, let's transition into August. Books on the radar. August, yes. I was thinking, okay, in my brain, I'm like, I bet you August is going to be quiet because a lot of publishers are saving some of their big titles for September and for fall reading. And boy, was I wrong (laughs) when Mm -hmm. I started to look because there are some big name authors that have books coming out. I want to quickly list them. I don't think either of us brought these as our main books to put on your radar, but we're getting a new Lisa Jewell. She's got The Family Remains coming out on August 9th. We have The Last Housewife by Ashley Winstead on August 16th. There's a new Alice Feeney, Daisy Darker on August 30th. There is a new Karen Slaughter, Girl Forgotten on August 23rd. Of course, we've got Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Mm -hmm. Reid that Renee just sold us on August 30th. And then Haven by Emma Donahue, August 23rd. So there are a lot of big Mm -hmm. name books coming. Did you have any to add? Girl Forgotten was on my summer bonanza. But otherwise, I don't think we have really focused on on these big, bigger names Mm -hmm. much on any other show. And we do, I don't know about you, but I like to find ones for our books on the radar that are not being talked about or Mm -hmm. not, not a big name. So that's kind of why we didn't bring these big name authors, Mm -hmm. I think. I know. I always like to find ones that are a little bit more under Mm -hmm. the radar. Okay. Yes, I will start. And I actually had not heard of this book or this author when I came across On Java Road by Lawrence Osborne. Comes out August 2nd. And this book is set in Hong Kong. And it is about a, a veteran British journalist who lives in Hong Kong and is investigating the disappearance of a student protester. So Adrian Guile has been living in Hong Kong for 20 years. Over the years, he has become jaded. He has seen a lot. He has been around a lot and has just gotten bored with the overflowing amount of wine dinners and private members clubs. However, also happening is an eruption in violence as there are pro-democracy demonstrations that are beginning to hit closer to home. And he has decided that maybe it's time for him to leave Hong Kong until the disappearance of the new girlfriend of one of his oldest friends. Her name is Rebecca, and she is a student that was involved in the protests. When her body mysteriously turns up in the local morgue, he finds that he has to investigate further. So he begins to piece together Rebecca's final days and hours. This story is billed as atmospheric and a highlight of a culture that maybe a lot of us are not familiar with and has a very international flair. So I love the sound of it. It's On Java Road by Lawrence Osborne. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that one either. First for me is a Renee book. So I I bet I can tempt you with this one. Okay. It's called The Devil Takes You Home by Gabino Iglesias. Mm -hmm. Did you see this one? Uh Mm Uh-huh. Comes out on August 2nd. Did you bring this to the show already? No. Okay. Okay. (laughs) When I, no, when I was, go ahead. Okay. All right. So this one, okay. You'll, once I start explaining it, you'll know why I recommended it for Renee. So you have a man who is buried in debt due to his young daughter's illness. He's got a marriage on the brink, so he has nothing to lose. Mario reluctantly takes a job as a hitman and surprises himself because he actually has a proclivity for violence. Tragedy destroys the life that he knew, so he agrees to one final job. You know that we love books. There, It's like, this is the one last job before the end. Like, I love that trope. He is assigned to hijack a cartel's cash shipment before it reaches Mexico. He has an old friend that he's working with who is a cartel insider, and he sets off on a near-suicidal mission, which will either leave him with a cool 200000 or a bullet to the skull. But as you can imagine, the path is never straight, and you have these three complicated men traveling through the endless landscape of Texas across the border and back, and their hidden motivations are laid bare alongside nightmarish encounters that defy explanation. And one, I love this line. One thing is certain. Even if Mario makes it out alive, he won't return the same. I cannot wait. It sounds so good. They're calling this a panoramic odyssey for fans of S.A. Cosby's Blacktop Wasteland. 
and also hints of Stephen Graham Jones and Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. So I thought this one sounds super good. Can't wait to hear some reviews on it. It's called The Devil Takes You Home by Gabino Iglesias. Yes, that is totally up my alley. I saw the cartel. I was like, I almost, I that's why I kept asking you, send me your titles, send me your titles, because mm-hmm. I knew I wanted that one. But I'm like, surely you're going to pick this. Well, the only reason I didn't is because I already have two mysteries and thrillers. Got it. That yep. I am set on. And so I thought, well, I, I can't bring another one. And I think I mean, this I one, if they're if they're comping it to Stephen Graham Jones and Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, I'm like, there's got to be a supernatural element or some sort of horror or some sort of what is on the road. Because they said they come across nightmarish encounters that defy explanation. Yeah, that's where I'm like, ding, 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 ding. What's there? What's going on? That's so. That's, mm-hmm. you, that's, that's yours. Me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. I'm definitely interested in. And also, I do love that the inherent, like, well, it sounds like it would be fast-paced aspect of got you've got to get in to Mexico. You've got to get that and then get back quickly. Like, mm-hmm. I love that setup. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, it sounds like we might both report back on that at some point. <laughs> okay. My, my book two is me making an attempt to try out something new, and it's called The Sleepless by Victor Manabo. And it comes out August 2nd. And this falls into fiction, fiction slash science fiction genre. And this is about a mysterious pandemic, which causes a quarter of the world's population to permanently lose the ability to sleep. However, they do so without any apparent health implications. So you can imagine that this sort of outbreak creates a new class of people who are both feared but also ostracized. Those who don't have to sleep end up optimizing those extra hours and start earning more money. So that makes complete sense, right? And Mm -hmm. those who can't do it, I would imagine, start to panic and then want to go after those who can. So this story is about Jamie Vega, a New York journalist and one of the sleepless. When his boss dies in an apparent suicidal overdose, Jamie doesn't buy this explanation and decides to start investigating himself. However, things go off the rails quickly when Jamie discovers that he was the last person who saw Simon alive. So he starts retracing his steps and he realizes he doesn't remember that night. He has lost time, cannot account for what he did that night. So not only do the police suspect him, but he begins to suspect that his memory loss may have something to do with the fact that he did not come by his hyperinsomnia, his ability to be sleepless, naturally. He came about it through a risky and illegal process because he biohacked himself to become the sleepless, which also puts in a whole nother thread to this story and implication. So as he delves deeper into Simon's final days, he is forced to confront the consequences of his decision to biohack himself. And along the way, he uncovers a terrifying truth about what it means to be sleepless that will imperil him and all of humanity. And you know, this gave me this gave me vibes of Blake Crouch's book. The Measure. Oh. Well, one that I've already read was The Measure. I saw as far as like implications of something that you think might be a good thing, right? Like if you got a long string in, mm-hmm, in the measure. Mm-hmm. On, but you're right. You're exactly right. I haven't. It could be a comp for Upgrade. Blake Crouch is new one too. I just haven't read that yet. So there's two p- possible comparisons. I'm really hoping this one pans out. It's The Sleepless by Victor Manabo. And that aligns with what you want to have for the rest of your reading life. Yeah, it's kind of I a little know. bit sci-fi, a little bit. But a little bit suspenseful. It we'll see where like. it goes. I know. All right. Next for me is Complicit by Winnie Lee out August 16th. And this is about a woman who had something harrowing happen to her and her promising film career was derailed. And now she has an opportunity for revenge. 
And it sounds like this is a timely thriller about power, privilege, and justice. So you've got Sarah Lai and her dreams of success behind the camera have been put to the wayside. She is now a lecturer at an obscure college. She's a former producer, and she wants nothing more than to forget those youthful ambitions and push any feelings of regret or guilt aside. But then a journalist reaches out to her to ask her to explain her experience, talk about what went on when she worked with the celebrated film producer Hugo North. She decides that she can no longer keep silence, and this might be her last chance to tell her side of the story and maybe even exact belated vengeance. Sounds like it is set in the industry. It's in Hollywood. There's dark and sordid secrets. But she's going to be implicated. She realizes as she's talking about this that there are some secrets she's been trying to hide that are going to come to the surface. And now she has to ask herself, is she willing to risk everything to expose this person or is she going to be complicit herself? And I love a book that is set Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. You know, I love a little bit of a revenge Mm -hmm. story. Yeah, I think it sounds really interesting. So this one's Complicit by Winnie Lee out August 16th. That sounds really good. Okay, my next book, I'm realizing something, (laughs) and I just now realized it looking at my notes, but I'll tell you. It's called Touch by Olaf Olafsson. I've never (laughs) read this author. I know. I've never heard of it. I think I've heard of him, but I've not heard of this book. It comes out August 16th. It is a mystery thriller. (laughs) Here's what I'm just realizing. It also involves a pandemic. I didn't know that, but all right. This is a a story of one man's search to find a lover who suddenly disappeared decades before. So when the pandemic hits, a guy named Christopher is forced to close his successful restaurant, which sends him into a spiral of uncertainty, even as he realizes his memory seems to be failing. However, out of the blue, he receives a message from Miko Nakamura, a woman whom he'd known in the 60s when they were students in London. And this message both inspires and rattles him as he is then drawn back into the love story that has marked him for life. So even as the pandemic upends his world, Christopher finds himself pulled toward an answer to the mystery of Miko's sudden departure decades before. And this will compel him to travel to London and Japan just as the virus threatens to shut everything down. So this is being billed as a heart-wrenching love story as well as an absorbing mystery and takes a look into the secrets of the past to explore hidden lives that we all possess and the pain and beauty of our past loves and friendships that continue to leave a mark on us. I love the sound of this. I'm really, really hoping that it it could be a good comparison to The Stationery Shop mm. by Marjan Kamali, which I absolutely love. When I read the, synop- the synopsis for this, that's what I immediately thought of. And I loved that book. So I'm hoping that this... It at least has similar vibes, but I do like the international flair to this as well as it being a love story mixed with a mystery. So that is Touch by Olaf Olafsson. Okay. Next up for me is a book called Overkill by Sandra Brown. Also comes out on August 16th. So in this book, you have former Super Bowl MVP quarterback Zach Bridger. He has not seen his ex-wife Rebecca for years, not since their volatile marriage imploded. So he is shocked when he receives a life-altering call about her. Rebecca has been placed on life support after a violent assault, and he still has power of attorney, even though they're now divorced. And he's asked to make an impossible choice, keep her on life support or take her off. And buckling under the weight of responsibility, and it sounds like the media gets in on it, he ultimately walks away and lets Rebecca's parents have the final say. You've got four years later, Rebecca's attacker, Abon, the scion of a wealthy North Carolina family, he gets early release from prison, and the ludicrous miscarriage of justice reeks of favoritism, and Kate Lennon, a brilliant state prosecutor, is determined to bring him to justice. Rebecca's parents have kept her alive all of these years, but if her condition were to change and she were to die, Abon could be retried on a new charge of murder. 
So it sounds like this is a legal thriller and it's got, I love when legal thrillers have real life moral dilemmas. What would you do? What wouldn't you do? The power mm-hmm. of attorney. Yeah. And and of course, I always like like the, I want to know what happened. Like what happened to this woman? What, you know, and, and what's going on with Zach? So uh, Rebecca and Zach, it sounds like there's an ill-timed attraction to each other. Anyway, so this book sounds like it could be really interesting, especially if you like legal thrillers. It is Overkill by Sandra Brown. Okay. That is that is not one I would have thought you would have been interested in, but it's not, that sounds good. I like the, the moral dilemma is what sold me. Okay. I was like, I, I need to know, like, what happens. I got to know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also want to know read, what, I, what happened to her. Like, why is she, right. how was she assaulted? What for? All of that. Sandra Brown has been around for so many years. I used mm-hmm. to read all of her books. I haven't oh, read really? one in years. Yeah, but yeah, I've never read really her. good. Mm-hmm. Yep, she has an extensive backlist. Okay, my last book is The Darkness of Others by Kate Hollihan. Comes out August 23rd. And this is about Imani Banks. And she lives in a posh Brooklyn Heights neighborhood. I love that. I love when something is described as posh. (laughs) Um, But this neighborhood has been rocked to its core because a very famous movie director has been murdered. And his blonde trophy wife, who happens to be Amani's closest friend, is missing. Their neighbors, plus the media, everyone involved, jump to the conclusion that Melissa Walker, the movie director's wife, has killed her husband in a fit of rage and is on the run. Imani, however, does not believe this, not only because she feels like she knows her friend and her friend was steadfast, she was loyal, um, and she has a daughter who Imani knows she would never have left behind. Imani is a psychiatrist, so she is very attuned to others' emotional stability. Uh, Along with this storyline is a side storyline, which involves Imani and her chef husband, who have rented some extra rooms in their house to a struggling waitress from Imani's husband's restaurant. So her name is Tanya. She's moved in with her teen, da- teen daughter. And the convenient timing and her suspicious behavior soon lead Imani to suspect that the true killer is living right under her own roof. Now all she has to do is prove it. So that's The Darkness of Others by Kate Hollihan. Comes out August 23rd. And we like that author. I've read um, one of her books. I think you brought one to the show. Yes. Oh, yes. I brought Lies She's Told. Mm. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. that's right. So we yes, read the same Lies one. She's told. Yeah. I'm curious about that. I also love the cover of that book. Finally, for me, is Parish by LaToya Watkins. This one comes out on August 23rd, and this is a debut. It is about a Black Texan family, and it explores the effects of inherited trauma and intergenerational violence as family come together to say goodbye to their matriarch on her deathbed. I love a book about a matriarch. I have the print Mm -hmm. copy of this, and I opened it, and there's a family tree, which I always like. And the beginning of this book is very propulsive. I don't know how to say this in a different way, but it's basically a woman who has been impregnated who's trying to have an at-home abortion. And so I, I didn't get much further than that, but the Barrett or Parrish are the words that Helen Jean hears that fateful night in her cousin's outhouse that changed the trajectory of her life. This book spans decades, and it tracks the choices that Helen Jean, who's this matriarch, makes along the way, and the choices and what she's done that have rippled across generations. It's told in alternating chapters and follows four members of the Turner family, Julie B., a woman who regrets her wasted youth, Alex, a police officer grappling with the dark and twisted past, Jan, a mother of two who yearns to go to school and leave Jerusalem. Texas and all of its trauma behind for good, and Lydia, a woman whose marriage is falling apart because her body can't seem to stay pregnant. And they are all called home to say goodbye to their mother and grandmother. And as family reunions are wont to do, this reunion unearths long-kept secrets and forces everybody to ask themselves important questions of who is deserving of forgiveness and who bears the cross of blame. And again, there's themes of family, trauma, legacy, home, class, race, It sounds like this is beautiful yet heart-wrenching, and it appeals to readers who like 
family drama and unpacking the intricate ways that bonds can be made, maintained, or broken. So this book is Perish by LaToya Watkins. I was just looking because I know I've heard you talk about that. I wanted yeah. to make sure. Is it it was a mailbag. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was so. Okay. I'm glad you did. Yeah, it was a mailbag. And I got confused. I'm like, Jerusalem? How'd they get from Texas to Jerusalem? It's Jerusalem. To- <laughs> Jerusalem is a city in Texas. That's why I was like, is this spelled differently? Anywho. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Well, in our books on the radar, we share our current reads because we've just given you quite a few shelf editions. So my current read, Tina, you've heard of it. What is it? It's Perfect Days by Rafael Montes. Mm, it's so good. I mean, it's so good. <laughs> could I, I? I had no choice but yeah. to pick this book up. And listeners, if if you missed uh, our episode last week, Tina brought this and sold it so well. Go back and listen. But you, I, you didn't just sell me. You sold other people. So in our, I'm buddy reading this with Courtney from Birdie and Bookland. Oh, fun. Um, she's Birdie and Bookland on Instagram, and she is um, also one of our patrons. But she had posted that she wanted to read it immediately. So we're going to read it. We're reading it together. I have just started. I have been introduced to Geraldine. And so if anyone didn't catch Tina's chat about it last week, it's about a twisted medical student who kidnaps the girl of his dreams and embarks on a dark and delirious road trip across Brazil. This is a book in translation, and the writer is one of Brazil's most celebrated crime writers. So that is what I have just started. I'm alternating print and audio. Mm -hmm. And I did not do audio. I did print. So I will be interested to hear how you like it. We're going to have to start a thread on Discord about this one because you'll (laughs) want to like be like, what is going on? Well, Um, I knew I knew when you talked about it, I knew I was going to read it, but I also knew I could not read it by myself. I wanted Mm -hmm. because I had a feeling I was going. I I mean, I have you, but I wanted somebody else who was also reading it. So it was perfect timing that Courtney wanted to read it, too. Perfect. Well, my current read is The Attic Child by Lola J. And this one comes out in September on the 6th. So you have a little bit of time, but gosh, I'm really enjoying it. I am reading this book on audio. This is historical fiction, and I am about 28% through. I will say this is a chunky boy. So I've been reading this for a while. It's uh, 14 hours, 45 minutes. So the author really is taking their time with unpacking these different storylines. And it's a book about family secrets, love and loss, identity and belonging. But really, it centers on two children who were trapped in the same attic almost a century apart, and they are bound by a shared secret. Let me tell you again, I said I am 28% in. Neither person has been in the attic yet. So I'm like, when is this going to happen? But that's okay. I'm I'm super into it. But I kept thinking like, why is it called the attic child? But I presume I will find out. There's two timelines. Early 1900s, London, you have 12-year-old Celestine who was taken from his homeland, his family in Africa. He was literally taken and trafficked across the world to... So this young boy, this 12-year-old um, was trafficked from his hometown in Africa to live with this wealthy English man who they're calling it his companion. So far, it's on the up and up, like other than the fact that he, you know, got taken from his land Mm -hmm. and, you know, there was a trade made basically with his mother. But yeah, so far, I'm like, why did you take him? What do you want with this boy? I'm, I'm kind of confused, but I'm very intrigued. So he's living with this English explorer, Sir Richard Babington. And then the other perspective is in 1974 of Laura. She is a young orphan girl. Of Laura, 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 of Laura. She is a young orphan girl born into wealth and privilege, but her fortunes have now changed. And again, she's the one that is uncovering the secrets, trying to figure out like, oh, if she found this mysterious stuff in the family home and is curious. So I can't wait to see this come together. I I don't think I'm doing a great job selling it, but let me tell you, the reason I picked it up, I was driving to the zoo and I had like a 30-minute drive and I was like, all right, whatever. I'm not reading anything. I know Libro FM works really well in my car. Let me just pick the first book that comes to me and see if it grabs me, regardless of what it is. And it did. I listened to it for that entire day. I was like, what is happening? Really, really solid beginning. I just now began part two. So I'm super curious to see where this comes out. This book is The Attic Child by Lola J comes out in the U.S. on 9-6, but I understand it's already released in the U.K., so maybe we have some 
uh, UK listeners that have some feedback. Oh, good. Well, that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content like our Discord group, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash etc. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at tbrc, and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. The oppressive heat across this country, more than 140 million Americans in 29 states under heat alerts now. The dangerous heat wave now reaching the Northeast. It takes three days above 90 for an official heat wave. Forecasters are now warning millions here in the Northeast. This could last for six to seven days.